Hi, I'm Butch Patrick, and I am the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now... Here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome. And if you are here as a regular, we appreciate you joining us once again here at On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. This is On Screen and Beyond, episode 592. And it's just another day of exciting things coming your way right here on On Screen and Beyond. This is the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we have a returning guest, and we're going to talk about some other things that we don't uh, haven't talked to him about in the past. It is Butch Patrick joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. Of course, he was Eddie Munster. And if you want to hear all about the Munsters from Eddie Munster himself, Butch Patrick, go to episode 177. But be sure to listen to this episode because Butch is going to be here to talk about Lidsville. And CroftCon, which is coming up on May 21st, that's a Saturday, at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California. He is going to be there on May 21st at the Orinda Theater for CroftCon, along with, now get this, it's, it's just, and it's just growing as we talk, Butch Patrick's going to be there, Sid Croft himself will be there, and it looks like Wesley Ur is going to be there, Kathy Coleman, from Land of the Lost, Sharon Baird, which uh, she was in just about everything Sid and Marty Croft did, and also Johnny Whitaker, who, of course, is known for Jody on Family Affair, but he was also in a Sid and Marty Croft show. So a lot of different things coming up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Be sure to check that out. But Butch Patrick will be here to talk about Lidsville and CroftCon and everything else. And we'll even sneak a little a little bit about the monsters in there. But, like I said, go to episode 177 of On Screen and Beyond, and you can hear him talk about all things monsters. So, what do you say? Let's get right into it, because this is an exciting week, and we'll give you information about uh, the top episodes uh, from this past month and everything in uh, at the, after the end of the interview. So, uh, stick around for that. And it's time now for Remake Madness. <laughs> Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. Well, a live-action Voltron movie is in the works, and it's being co-written and directed by the director of Red Notice. And Nicolas Cage is playing Dracula in the remake titled Renfield, and uh, it's this one is keying in on the Count's loyal sidekick. And filming has started, and you can look for it on April 14th, 2023, and a remake or a reboot or whatever you want to call it of Alien is in development by Hulu. That's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, Alan Richson of Jack Reacher TV show and Hilary Swank will star in Ordinary Angels, and it's based on a true story about a struggling hairdresser who rallies the town to help a widowed father and his ill daughter. Seth Rogen and Bill Murray will join the cast of Being Mortal. You can look for that in 2023. And Sonia Walger of For All Mankind will star in a horror film called New Life. It's about a cat and mouse game in the Pacific Northwest. 
That's it for upcoming new movies next on On Screen and Beyond, sequels. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sequels. Well, a sequel of Godzilla and Kong is happening, and filming will start soon. No word on the plot yet, but it is expected to be released the summer of 2023. Trolls 3 is currently looking at a November 17th, 2023 release, and on June 9th, 2023, look for Transformers Rise of the Beasts to hit theaters. And that's it for sequels. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, let's take a peek at what's coming away as far as TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, May 31st, Lucifer, the complete fifth season, lands on DVD. Billions, season six, comes to DVD on June 14th. And on May 10th, RoboCop the series from 1994 lands on DVD. That's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, let's take a peek at what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD. <laughs> movies on DVD, Infinite Storm slides onto DVD and Blu-ray on June 14th. And on April 26th, Licorice Pizza arrives on Blu-ray and DVD. And on June 7th, Fortress, Sniper's Eye with Bruce Willis hits DVD. And that's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time. Well, Amazon is working on a series called 007's Road to a Million. And it's a reality competition show as teams compete in physical and knowledge challenges, trivia in other words, in locations featured in past Bond films. And no start date yet on that one, but we'll keep an eye out for it now that uh, Amazon owns uh, all the Bond films. And Ben Stiller is in talks to play Jack Torrance in a stage version of Stephen King's The Shining. And the Netflix film Blonde about Marilyn Monroe will have an NC-17 rating. Now, that's the first time on Netflix that they have given that uh, rating. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we sit down with Butch Patrick. Now, Butch is always known as Eddie Munster from the Munsters TV show. And uh, he was also in Lidsville, which was a Sid and Marty Croft show. And uh, CroftCon is coming up on May 21st. That's Saturday at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California. And Butch is going to be there. And we're talking with Butch Patrick next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Our guest today on On Screen and Beyond is known for his role as a member of the family of monsters in the 60s called the Munsters, playing Eddie Munster on the show. But he also played another role in a popular Sid and Marty Croft show 
called Lidsville as Mark. And on Saturday, May 21st, he will be at CroftCon, celebrating the shows of Sid and Marty Croft. It's Butch Patrick. Butch, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Well, I thank you very much, and I'm very happy to be here. Now, now, Butch, this whole CroftCon thing is is very exciting because it's bringing together all these shows that so many people grew up with and know, and and, and you know, young kids are finding you know about these shows, and it's it's really going to be a nice thing. It really will be. Um, it's funny when I when I go out and I visit people and do appearances. The Munsters is is usually what most people. Um, are interested in, but lately, in the last ten years or so, the uh, the, the Saturday morning crop shows and even some of their later on um, evening shows have been uh, have been uh, have been interesting to talk to people about. And you know, they started off with puppet stuff, and then they did the Bugaloos, and Lidsville was number three, and then Land of the Lost came up, and so on and so on. Sigmund and the Sea Monster, and they had a lot of them: uh, a Dinah Girl, Electra Woman, uh, Space Nuts. Um, a ton of stuff, a lot of, a lot of, a, a big, uh, a very, a very large body of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and people are going to wonder why I'm not. I, I may ask you a few questions about the about the monsters, but uh, if yeah. they, if they actually want to hear you talk about all those, you were actually on the show back in September of 2011, <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> so if they want to hear a lot about the monsters. They can go to yeah. episode 177 and hear all about that. There you go. Yeah, this is exciting. I, ever since I did the show uh, about, oh, God, maybe 30 years ago, I uh, was talking to Sid and Marty about doing a CroftCon. I, I had the idea, and um, I thought that they, it would be unique and interesting, and, uh, and they agreed. And then some, a couple things came into play that didn't work out. But now, finally, um, with the, the Orinda Theater and your brother Derek, it's going to be great. So – Tell us, how did you get involved with uh, Sid and Marty Croft? Because some of their stuff was kind of out there for the, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not for the time, I guess. But <laughs> how did you get involved with it? Well, it, you know, well, I had you know worked and uh, I worked from 1960 to 1970. I did the uh, I did Lidl the summer of 71, um, and I was 17, turning 18, and I was just about ready to finish my career in Hollywood. I, I had a time frame that I didn't really want to work past the time I was 18 in the business. Uh, but the, um, the, I think Marty reached out to my agent and, uh, one thing led to another and I got wind of that there was this, uh, show available if I wanted to do it. And I went out to the Valley to, um, to visit their studio and I met with Sid and Marty and I actually turned it, turned it down. I said, no, it's not really for me. It's kind of a Saturday morning thing. I thought it was not really, you know, it just didn't interest me at the time. Well, they called back, and then they called back again. And finally, Sid um, and I went out for lunch. And uh, he was a very cool guy, and he drove a yellow Corvette. We went up Sunset Boulevard, and, you know, got out, and they had a nice lunch. And he was, and he pretty much convinced me to uh, reconsider it, which I did. And I went back out to the studio, and I remember I was looking at a great big picture of the Bugaloos. And Caroline Ellis was the female Bugaloo, uh, and... She was really, she was just adorable, and I I said, is there a chance that I might meet her if I do this? And they go, you never know. And uh, I said, okay, let's do it. <laughs> and uh, I proceeded to get my hair cut. I never did meet her, but uh, we're friends on Facebook now, and I did get a chance to meet a few of the other people involved with other shows, and I had a chance to work with uh, 
Billy Hayes who was on uh, Puff and Stuff, and obviously a lot of the little people, Charles Nelson Riley, but um, Jack Wilds dropped in on the set once or twice, and then it was nice to meet him as well. So it all worked out, but I, uh, but it was funny. Caroline Ellis was uh, one of the reasons I decided to pull the trigger on Lizville. <laughs> it's a shame you never got to meet her. Well, you know, it's, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, how was it working with Charles Nelson Riley? He, he seems to be, you know, was a riot back then. Yeah, he was. A, he was. He was very funny. Uh, totally um, didn't really enjoy the makeup factor of the show. Had a lot of issues with the makeup, but the character he portrayed, talented guy. He was doing a lot of great stuff. Uh, and yeah, I, I think that uh, I can't. I can't imagine anybody else being uh, Horatio J. Udu. <laughs> And and Billy Hayes was in a lot of the different uh, Sid and Marty Croft stuff, wasn't she? Well, yeah, she was the witchy crew and puffin stuff, and uh, and then also a lot of the little people. Uh, Sharon Baird, a Musketeer, played, played Raunchy Rabbit. Mm-hmm. All uh, all the uh, the people carried over throughout all the Croft shows. They they utilized a lot of the same folks, and uh, that was good. In fact, Billy was the rock for me. She was the one that because she had done puffin stuff, and she was such a a Croft uh, a legend, she was very helpful. And then uh, Sharon Baird helped me out a lot as well because she'd been around. So it worked out well. Uh, had fun. It was only 11 weeks. Um, Paramount Studios, Stage 8. And uh, it, was, it was fun. I met a lot of nice folks, and I worked with a lot of little people that I knew firsthand. Myself, because of my, uh, as I was a kid growing up, they, they give you little people to be stand-ins for you. So over the years, I worked with a lot of them. Wow, yeah. So, so for our listeners that may not know Lidsville, can you give us a little recap of what the story basically was about? Oh yeah, uh, it's Mark. If you just if you YouTube it in two minutes, they have the longest intro in history. It tells you the whole story. You almost don't even have to watch the show. But uh, Mark, my, myself uh, from Jackson City, goes to a theme park to watch the magic show. And after the magic show, uh, you see Charles Nelson Riley doing the magic act uh, without his makeup on he's just a a a non non hoodoo character i sneak backstage to check out how he does his magic and when i uh, look into the top hat it grows and it grows and it grows and i fall into it and i've been falling and free falling very much like alice uh through the alice in wonderland through the looking glass and down the rabbit hole um similar to that i land after falling for probably 30 or 40 seconds on camera into Lidsville, which was basically uh, a land of living hats. Every every character there. Well, uh, if you're a cowboy, you know you talk, you talk like John the John Wayne hat. You had the uh, the good hats versus the bad hats. Lots of good hats, only four bad hats. And then you had uh, Hoodoo, who lived in a giant top hat. And his uh, right hand person was Raunchy Rabbit, who was his assistant. And so you had six, uh, literally six people on the top of the hill. In the in the in the top hat, and then you had the people living in Lidsville, probably about another uh, twelve to fourteen characters down there. Wow, how, how did they come up with this stuff? <laughs> I mean, these guys uh, came up you, with so many shows. Well, you know, you got to remember it was the '60s, and there's a lot of psychedelic, uh, um, I don't know, lifestyle and a, and a lot of uh, input into the counterculture and, and hate Ashbury, and you know, the, it was just. It just seemed to be a sign of the times, but um, Sid swears up and down he wasn't—you uh, know—he wasn't on any psychedelics, and uh, he may very well have not been. But he had a very creative mind, 
and they knew how to create and produce shows that were like non-animation but still very entertaining with a fantasy with a, with a fantasy base. Right. Yeah. And, and it, like you said, it just seems to be getting more popular all the time. Well, um, yeah, they've had you know movies have been made, and uh, a, a lot of people remember when I when I talk to people that they own Saturday morning. I mean, it, other than cartoons, uh, the Crofts had a lot of shows, and then they they eventually evolved into um, evening shows, and Donnie and Marie and the Brady Bunch and and right. DC Follies, and uh, they were they produced movies. Um, uh, the the one with uh, with um, oh gosh, Anne Margaret and um, uh, Bruce Stern, I believe it was. It was it, there was a movie that they did, a feature film as well. Yeah. Uh, Middle Age Crazy, I believe the name of it was. Yeah, and I think they did Barbara Mandrell show too, didn't they? I think they did what? The Barbara Mandrell show. Oh yeah, yes they did. Barbara Mandrell show, yeah. absolutely. Things absolutely. you wouldn't think of of them being associated with, but they were very talented guys, and uh, they did a lot of work. They specialized in puppeteering before they actually, you know, got into television they were over in europe and they they had like a puppet follies bergere going on and um they had a theme park in atlanta for a while they were they were all over the place and very successful yeah now you mentioned charles nelson riley wasn't thrilled with the makeup do you know how long he had to be in make uh, makeup to get to look like that you know i'm guessing it was probably about an hour it was probably the same as it was when i was eddie munster eddie, and that's yeah. why i told him to quit I told him to quit complaining. It's only 11 weeks, and I did it for two years. <laughs> quit being a baby. Uh, Were you a close cast? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it, 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 was, uh, it was a tight-knit group. And like I say, we, we filmed a lot. It was a very long work day. We used chroma key, which was a brand-new technology at the time, to superimpose uh, scenes on other scenes. And... We had three cameras going uh, simultaneously. We had a director who was directing from another soundstage through monitors and a god mic that would uh, boom over the over the soundstage. So there was a uh, it was uh, an interesting deal because the little people in the hats uh, were moving the mouths, but they weren't talking. And we had three voiceover artists who were reading the scripts into microphones, and that was booming out over loudspeakers. So it was it was there were times it was kind of tough to keep your mind on which hat was talking because it would be confusing sometimes. Hmm. Yeah. So why do you think that this show, Lidsville, and, and all the other Sid and Marty Croft shows have, have endured for all this time? I mean, this is a long time for a show to be still remembered. Um, I'm guessing most people just remember their childhood. You know, and, and, it was, and it was literally, kids watched it for the you know, for the visuals and the, and the ideas that adults watched it for, I think, for the uh, the psychedelic humor. You know, it was it was geared for adults, even though it was a Saturday morning show. Uh, and most people remember it because who doesn't like remembering their, uh, their their childhood? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned the chroma key. Uh, was was there a lot of special effects in in the show? Well, we had a lot of explosions, smoke pots and stuff, and we had uh, this hoodoo would zap people, so he would have battery packs on his wrist that would shoot sparks out. Um, we did a few uh, wire situations where, but you know, nothing dangerous. I mean, we did more on the monsters, but more um, more of the superimposing, uh, the chroma key effect was used a lot, and it, and it was pretty effective. And it was, like I say, it was the 
it was a brand new technology that we were using, so it was it was kind of experimental, mm-hmm. and it was fun. Yeah. Now, now when you 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 mentioned about wires and hanging things, and and, and now and you said the monsters, you did more. So, were you hanging from things a lot in that show on the monsters? Well, when I would get thrown through the ceiling, you know, I would be on uh, I'd be on wires, and Herman would toss me in the air, and then they would guys on a rope would pull the the harness and lift me, you know, lift me out of frame. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that happened occasionally, but we did a lot of, um, uh, you know, the monsters we had spot under the stairs, breathing fire. And we had bats on wires, you know, mm-hmm. flying around. We had, um, breakaway walls, breakaway doors, um, smoke pots, a lot of cobwebbing, uh, a lot of dust, um, speeded up film, um, you know, and the, obviously the makeup and the shoes for her, for Fred, Herman and a lot, you know, a lot was going on. Grandpa had a lot of stuff. He, you know, his his magic shtick would be, you know, things with lighting his fingers on fire to light a light a cigar. The, you know, there there was a lot. There was a lot of uh, um, interesting uh, special effects that occurred on the on the show as well. Yeah, yeah. On on all the shows that you've done over the years and movies and things, uh, did you ever get uh, injured doing any? You know, I don't want to say stunt work, but you know, semi stunt work. No, I was lucky. They, the, the, the welfare workers kept me pretty safe. Uh, the closest thing probably would be once I was in a, in a, I was going out to look at the garage what Grandpa was building for my birthday, and, and he had a uh, uh, an anti-peaking device which allowed me to fall into a pit, you know, while I was looking in the window. And then, then when they walked over to the pit to, to laugh at me, they kicked dirt, and dirt went into my eye. No big deal. I washed out my eyes, but it was. Uh, you know, it was like scratch, scratch my eye up a little bit for a day or two, but um, I almost got burnt with spot shooting flames underneath the stairway as I was sitting on the banister and the heat from the flames. But I had long sleeves on, but it still singed uh, what little hair I had on my hands as, as an eleven-year-old kid. Mm. <laughs> so, what are some of the things that you remember most about uh, being on Lidsville? Is there were there any uh, bloopers or things like that that you can remember that you can share with us no no not a lot uh i remember doing the float the uh the rose parade that torrance had a, a lidsville float and we were we were uh, uh hired to uh i don't even think we were hired i think we were told <laughs> <laughs> Go. i don't even think we got a pay i don't even think we got a payday out of that one but but we were uh, you know i did the uh the rose parade and uh, would never do it again <laughs> it's uh you got to be there at four in the morning and you're on a float for five hours it was horrible it was like really a long day but it was an honor you know so that was fun i don't think charles did it i think it was just me and billy if i remember correctly and, and some of the hat people um let's see here uh do i i remember that universe uh, i i enjoyed working at paramount um we were on the soundstage that happy days took over right after we did bob newhart was out of the property brady bench was out of the property i remember the the, uh, the lunches were a lot of fun because there was a lot of interesting things going on out there i uh, i met rod serling at uh, at paramount that was one of my one of my uh bucket list type of things because i was a big twilight zone fan uh, the crew was great. We had a lot of fun. Makeup was good. Everybody was very nice, uh, and it was it was an interesting shoot. It was uh, it wasn't you know like I said it was only eleven weeks. We did a lot of pages a day, so it was, you know we were busy, but um, but fun. 
you know, it was yeah. good. But eleven weeks. What that was? What was there? Seventeen episodes of, to the to the show. Uh, Sixteen or seventeen. 16, yeah, I 17. believe. It was 17. I mean, that's like two years. That's like two years now. <laughs> you know, because shows only have like eight episodes now. Yeah, and well, in the Munsters, we did thirty-nine episodes oh, a year. So man. like crazy. Um, but yeah, yeah. We got to remember this is another. You know, I was turning eighteen years old doing the show. Um, Teeny Bop. Uh, magazines, you know, sixteen and Tiger Beat, Fave, and all those flip magazines are doing stories on on Ed, Butch Patrick. I uh, come into to be a sort of a, a teenage, the the heartthrob period of my life, where you see yourself on the cover of magazines in the in the in the supermarkets, and little girls would come knock on the door and giggle and laugh, and yeah, <laughs> you know, it was one of those deals. And, and then actually, the, and Lizville is very popular with the girls. Um, but it, uh, it, you know, like you said before, it also had a, a uh, an adult following because of just the crazy wackiness, and it was just so psychedelic and, and so adult adult oriented. Even though you know it was geared for kids, it had a lot of uh, adult. And I don't mean like you know uh, adult X rated adult right, stuff, right. just yeah, adult yeah. humor, yeah, just for grown ups, you know. Yeah. Well, even nowadays, a lot of the animated movies that come out, kids aren't getting the jokes that the characters are saying because those are geared toward the adults that, and you know so it's it, it was very similar well in the old days it's funny the guys that were doing the great cartoons in the 40s and 50s were you know definitely a bunch of partiers <laughs> and they loved doing their cartoons and sneaking stuff by that the uh, censors wouldn't catch or the owners of the studios wouldn't catch. And I did a I did a movie for Chuck Jones, uh, the Phantom Tollbooth, yes. when I was fourteen and fifteen. And um, the stories that the you know I, I enjoyed all these old cartoons as well, the Warner Brothers, especially Mary Melodies. But um, it was funny that oh through the years, uh, you know, people that did things that were geared for what was supposed to be children were produced and drawn and done by adults who were doing supposed children's programming but had very adult uh sneak sneaky funny witty stuff involved it's funny how they they could sneak that stuff through and not get it edited out because you you know that the censors were probably looking at for this stuff too i'm sure oh and oh and look up disney guys too you know and disney it was kind of this it wasn't ever harmful it was just more of a how how sophisticated they could put like what we would consider today would be an easter egg into something, but back then it was just simply a drawn situation that that slipped by that nobody knew unless you were looking for it. Yeah, I, I got to ask you one thing about the Munsters. Do you consider that to be the one of the biggest things in your life? Well, it certainly was most popular, and it was probably the most successful. Even today, we're looking at a show that's coming up on 58 years old, mm-hmm. um, and the amazing amount of fan base that it's got now even more so i mean we got rob zombie doing the movie we've had several movies we had several spin-offs um merchandise heavily merchandise cars monster coach dragula you name it the monsters is probably one of the two or three mo- most valuable collectible uh, entities it's for certain things especially uh, that star trek and star wars but the monsters is, is extremely desirable collectible stuff and that keeps it in the forefront. The theme has been used for years in all kinds of stuff. Um, Walmart uses it. Halloween, it's very identifiable. Um, uh, Fallout Boy 
had a had a song of the year a few years ago with the riff of the whatever you know with the uh, the monsters. Yep. I did whatever happened to Eddie back in the early eighties. Yes. He was the fourth first unsigned act to be on MTV. Um, Phil London Philharmonic, Boston Pops, uh, a lot of very reputable and powerhouse musical troops have uh, recorded the Munsters theme. So uh, it's it's got it's got longevity and That's it's got sure. fame and, it, and it's got a fan base and it's multi generational. So it's, you know, I was lucky to be part of it. Although I always tell people my favorite thing to do for me as a kid, what I'm most proud of, or not maybe not most proud of, but very proud of, was doing the Monkeys Christmas episode because. When you were a fourteen-year-old kid, uh, the monkeys were larger than life, and they were as big as the Beatles. And to spend the week working with them was uh, was quite an honor. Wow! Yeah. Now, now, what one thing that surprises me is, or maybe I just didn't know it. Uh, did you? Uh, you know, you you were on the all the in the teen magazines and everything, but yeah. did they ever? try to promote you to do singing because like, like you know back in the 70s uh, every young male or yeah. female was was pushed to be a uh, singer whether they, whether they could sing or not but you know i mean you did have musical talent so you know uh, well no no i really didn't but i did several records and that and you're absolutely right on that because after lidsville uh, a producer a couple producers actually who were handling sugarloaf which was a legitimate solid band yes. um they convinced um, uh, Bobby Sherman had quit um, Metro Media Records. So Metro Media was without their teeny bop star. And at this particular point in time, the Osmond and the J5 and David Cassidy. And they decided that they were going to try to create a um, another situation like that. So they contacted me and we went in to record. And I told them I don't sing. And they said, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. And I go, I'm very uncomfortable doing this. And then they tried to convince me that there was a lot of money to be made. I said, well, you know, money, money can come in handy. And I was about ready to stop acting anyway. So um, we decided to deal with, rec- with uh, Metro Media Records and recorded a BG song with Sugarloaf as my backup band. And we went on American Bandstand immediately um, with Loggins and Messina, of all people. Wow. And here I am actually getting the long three-minute interview where Loggins and Messina got the 30-second interview. So I guess by American Bandstand standards, I guess I'm headlining over Loggins and Messina, right. lip-singing my little heart out to where I tell people I was the original Munster Manili long before Millie. <laughs> Now we, uh, I, I recommend everybody should have a record deal with some crazy record rep that wants to go spend all all the company's money because it's a great time and we lived large and played rock star for about six to seven months. Didn't really uh, sell a whole lot of records, but um, had a great time, and that was the end of my record career. So I thought, hmm. but in 1981 with MTV, we decided that we wanted to make rock videos. Um, and I still had still wasn't singing and I still wasn't a musician, but I did write the lyrics to whatever happened to Eddie. And with that, we produced a video that we were the first unsigned act to be on MTV, which I'm very proud of. And they created the Basement Tapes TV show out of that, which allowed a lot of unsigned talent to get exposure, which helped them uh, launch a lot of musical careers. So I really am proud of that. But I upped the ante there. I uh, I faked the bass and I faked singing. So I double Millie, I double <laughs> Munster Manili. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for sharing that. <laughs> nah, no problem. Munster Manili squared. Yeah. Well, Butch, I want to finish up with uh, one final question. 
But before I ask you that, I just want to remind people that CroftCon is coming up on Saturday, May 21st. It's going to be at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California, and it's all things Sid and Marty Croft, so get ready for that. Butch is going to be there, and uh, it sounds like it's going to be a blast, Butch. It really is, and I'm and I'm really happy uh, that Derek's uh, liked the idea. You know, I when I was when I was talking to him in in, in the past, we've done a couple appearances with uh, with Wesley and Kathy, you know, Wesley Ur and Kathy Coleman from uh, Land of the Lost, and I also did a uh, thing with Johnny Whitaker. So we we've done sort of like a small group of of Croft people together mm-hmm. in, in sort of like at other conventions, but we've never done an exclusive CroftCon. And I love calling it that with a K, CroftCon, K and K. Um, so we're really we're really looking forward to. It. I'm, I, and it's the Urinda Theater is an awesome place to do it. I'm really excited about it. It's going to be great. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll knock it out of the park. And I'm really looking forward to it. And I hope everybody comes out. We're going to have a lot of good times. All right. Uh, okay. The final question: When you sit back and relax, what's your favorite TV shows now and of the past, and what's your favorite movies now and of the past? Now and past, yep. both of them, movies and, t- and movie. Okay, well, um, I really, really enjoy, especially if it's a great big screen and I can watch it again and again and again, is uh, 2001, mm. uh, Space Odyssey. Mm. One of my favorites, brings back memories of drive-ins when I was a kid and you know going in and just uh, unbelievably good stuff back then. Um, current modern movie that I kind of like a lot that I said I've watched too many, probably too many times is The Sawshank Redemption yeah. Um, I don't know why that is, but there's a new one sneaking up on me. I've watched The Martian quite a bit. Um, I don't know whether it's the space thing or whether it's the uh, castaway, whether it's the idea of someone getting stuck somewhere and surviving seems to appeal to me. Uh, as far as old TV shows, The Twilight Zone, I love watching The Twilight Zone. And uh, modern day reruns, I, I kind of have, have caught myself watching a lot of uh, Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, Butch, I thank you so much for joining us, and uh, good luck with the, the CroftCon. It's going to be a blast, and people should be sure to check it out Saturday, May 21st at the, the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about the hours. I've got a, I've got a feeling it's going to be an all-day event and much into the evening with those great movie theaters going full blast. Thank you. Take care, Brian. It's always fun having Butch Patrick here at On Screen and Beyond. And if you want to hear him talk all about the Munsters in a full-length show, uh, you can go to episode 177 in our past rerun shows, and you can catch that. Just look for that, uh, 177 of On Screen and Beyond, and you can check it out and hear him talk all about the Munsters, because we all love him for that, too, of course. But he was in Lidsville, and he will be part of CroftCon on Saturday, May 21st at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California. And he's going to be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Wesley Yor and Kathy Coleman from Land of the Lost is going to be there. Sid Croft himself will be there. And uh, and there was just more people coming on all the time. We've got uh, Sharon Baird is going to be there. Johnny Whitaker. And uh, it's going to be so much fun. I hope you're going to be there if you are in that area. I know they said there's a lot of people flying in from all over the country to attend this and it's going to be just a great time and uh, you can get more information on that just uh, you know just google croft con now that's with a k croft and con with a k
and uh, you can find out all about it. And it's an all-day event, so it's going to be loads and loads and loads of fun, and I hope you're going to join them there. And uh, let's see, what do we got here as we finish up this episode of On Screen and Beyond? Uh, the top five U.S. states that are listening to On Screen and Beyond, the top one is California. We appreciate that. Tons and tons of people all over the state are listening to On Screen and Beyond. Virginia is nose and nose. You know, I mean, they're right there with California. So we appreciate you in Virginia listening to On Screen and Beyond. New York, uh, you were second, but now you've dropped down to third. Texas, you guys are coming back up, and that's good. And Ohio is, uh, you know, moving on up, too. So those are the top five. Uh, Florida's dropped out of it. Uh, we, we A lot of people from Florida all over the state, and uh, we hope uh, we'll keep listening to On Screen and Beyond. And then all over the country, that we just appreciate it so much that you listen to On Screen and Beyond. And the top downloads for the past month so far, uh, Esther Turbranch. Now, uh, she was from All My Children, and she is so far the biggest download that we have had. And uh, we, uh, if you want to listen to that one, you can go ahead. And uh, Roberta Shore, who, uh, you know, was in, in the old westerns from the, back in the 60s. Uh, she was the second most downloaded. And Ed Begley Jr. is third. So, uh, of course, we still have more time to figure out who's going to have the most downloads for the month. But uh, just keep listening to On Screen and Beyond. We do appreciate it. It helps us out. And uh, just go ahead and download all all 592 episodes. We are moving up to 600 episodes. I just can't wait to, to get that uh, taken care of and uh, just keep moving along here. And uh, we appreciate it. If you would like to make a suggestion or just chat with me, you can turn around and send me an email at uh, feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Love hearing from you from all over the country and all over the world because we've got... Uh, that's one thing I didn't do. I didn't uh, tell you who were the top countries that were listening to On Screen and Beyond. U.S., I know that one is the top one, but uh, I'll, next time I'll look at that and see you know who's who's been around so you get an idea where the, everybody's listening all over the world. So uh, we do appreciate it, and uh, we hope you tell a friend about On Screen and Beyond. Get the, the word out so we can get more people. Instagram, we keep posting up there a lot, and uh, we, we thank you so much for the people who are checking us out there and also uh, listening to On Screen and Beyond. And uh, that's it. That's a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.